Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fantasy Focus YouTube channel. It's Wednesday again. I mean, like, it, I feel like we skipped about two months of Wednesdays. It's finally a, a Buck and Bob, Bob and Buck Wednesday. I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Buck. What's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's been seven weeks since the Buck and Bob show here mm. on TCK Pod on the Fantasy Focus channel. Feels good. I'm still recovering from the playoffs. I've lost 15 pounds since the Bills lost. So okay. if that tells you anything about my general football season lifestyle, it's it's hard living. Okay, it's That's hard actually living. good news because I've gained like 30 pounds from the Giants just being horrible. So at least you lose weight. I mean, that's actually great news. So, um, But I'm sorry to hear that. Bills are definitely a team. And the best part, too, is everyone thinks the Bills are like a top three team next year. But let's talk about your Bills. Go ahead. Tell me about your playoff experience. Fantastic playoffs. I talked to Sky last week about the Super Bowl, but give us your overall thoughts about your Bills, about the playoffs. Talk to me, man. We haven't talked in a while. Yeah, with the Bills, you know, it's hard to complain when you lose a game like that in overtime. You put it all on the field. You left nine seconds. You felt like shit that you gave up the lead there and let them get back in it. But overall – all these people complaining about, you know, the overtime rules, rewrite it. You knew what you were going into there. You knew you could have done a few different, a few things a little bit differently, but I was just proud of the boys. They fought like hell against yeah. a great chiefs team. Obviously since he had their number the, my key takeaway from the playoffs was I was so dialed into every game. I watch every game, but a lot of times during those games where it's not a bills game, or I'm not super interested in a few of the players, I'm not dialed in. I couldn't turn away from the TV for the entirety of that playoff season. It was all wonderful. I think the NFL is such a testament to parity, especially at the playoff level. That it's just been a masterclass by, I hate to say it, by Roger Goodell and uh, the rest of the board there, the Players Association. What they got going on is unlike any other league I've ever watched. It was a great season. I'm actually happy to see it go. Um, I like having a little time to reflect on things. So given our seven-week hiatus, I think we're in a good spot here to talk about some running backs today. Yeah, man. So what we're doing now is like I cannot move forward until I look back. That's just how I am. I want to look at 2021. Last week, me and Sky talked about the bus and the guys that ripped our hearts out. Today, we're going to bring some joy. And I thought bringing Buck back for some happiness and joy was the perfect combination. We're going to talk about running back steals, guys that completely exceeded ADP. So what I did last week is I looked at positional ADP versus where they finished overall and points per game and tried to find some guys that were labeled steals. So before we get into all that, of course, we want to make sure we're shouting out our, ourselves, our sponsors, making sure you know where you are. So make sure that you guys are following us across the board on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, across the board. Myself, Bobby Lamarco, uh, Sky Gawasco on Twitter. We got at Buck59. We have at Fantasy Focused on Twitter, at J Della Valley, et cetera. And also make sure you're following us on Instagram, too. That's where a lot of our content comes from. And make sure you're following us on the podcast side. If you guys can't catch the audio, if you don't want to deal with the YouTube app, you want to listen to us on a nice walk, go for a nice, beautiful walk on a nice, crisp, you know, winter evening. 
you hang out with the Candlestick Kids on the podcast apps. But before we go, I want to talk about one sponsor. One of our sponsors, of course, is Bet Online. Be back right after this. Bet Online is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NFL season and the NBA season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all football and basketball action this season. Make sure to head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 50. Believe 50 to receive your bonus. From football to basketball to NHL to boxing to UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of the 2021 seasons. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, let's get into some RB steals. We have a full list here. We're going to talk about um, some of the guys we're going to talk about today. Also, me and Sky are going to be doing some highlighted ones too. JT Eckler, some of the big time studs. We're going to leave to some isolated podcasts later. We actually check all those out about five to ten minutes. But here's a, a list, Buck, and I'm just going to throw it up on the screen for everybody, and I'm going to do a quick rundown of the RB steals based on my formula. Basically, I looked at ADP where their positional ADP was, and then compared it to RB finish overall in points per game, and this is where it kind of shaked out. Of course, JT, Austin Eckler, or Joe Mixon are your three workhorses at the top that really just outperformed their, not only their ADPs, but they just completely were league winners at the top of the draft. And then you start getting into those mid-round guys, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, Damian Harris, Melvin Gordon, and then you find some injury replacement guys, some guys that just had some nice high floors, some guys that emerge as 1Bs, for example, like Devin Singletary, Daryl Williams, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, and then, of course, the injury guys. Of course, as soon as Raheem Mostert goes down, everyone thinks it's Trey Sermon. Nope, it's Elijah Mitchell. He becomes an absolute stud in the games he plays. Devonta Freeman took a couple weeks, but over the second half, he was a rock. We talked about him a lot as a rock-solid RB2. Rashad Penny last five weeks was the RB1 in fantasy at 21.5 points per game. And, of course, last on the list is Cordell Patterson, whatever he is, RB, Swiss Army Knife. You know, weeks 1 through 15, the guy was an absolute stud. All of a sudden, he doesn't get the touches down, but we'll get your thoughts on him later too. But give me just a quick tidbit on any of these RBCs. Did you have any? a lot of these guys in your teams? Is there a guy that you really highlighted here? Who was your favorite steal from this list? Well, I had a lot of uh, Jonathan Taylor. I actually famously swore off Austin Eckler on this very show. That was a mistake. Uh, that was something I look back on. Not too, I'm not too fond of that one there, Bob. But I really liked a few of these fellas. Uh, I happened to have Cordell Patterson. I scooped him up like super late in three or four different drafts. The guy was just a stud for me. Really mm-hmm. propelled me into the playoffs. I felt like you never know what you're going to get with Corderell. And thinking that Mike Davis was going to take the reins there in Atlanta, we couldn't have been further off because he never got on the horse. So Corderell Patterson, he was tasked with a lot. I think it's just an interesting story with him because at this point he's been lingering around for so long. You wonder if a team is going to really invest in him being anything more than what he was last year. I also want to focus on James Conner. So with James Conner, do we know the last I checked, 
you know, he's out of contract here, right? He's going to be a free agent. Yep. Okay. So we don't yeah, know. Him and Chase Edmonds. They both are. That's a tough decision there. I think Connor proved he's just an absolute workhorse at the goal line. I think that's an interesting storyline there. Because Chase Edmonds, I think there's a lot more in the tank for that fella. And then when I look down the list, I mean, Darrell Williams, that's a guy with the balance that he brought as far as a fantasy football perspective. Is a fellow who didn't get all the touches in the world, but he maximized those touches. He had touchdowns from running the ball. He had 47 catches. I believe he had about 500 yards receiving. That's a major threat if you have that 1,000 yards seven, eight-plus touchdowns on a team like the Chiefs. Now, Darrell Williams, that's a guy that intrigues me because that's that's not a flashy name. When you're going into your draft in 2022, you're not thinking Darrell Williams at the top of your list. CEH is still going to split some of that load, but he's also going to split the vote in terms of fantasy football. I think those are some of the more polarizing names on this list, Bob. Yeah, and listen, I got some numbers to back up the CEH versus, well, Darrell Williams is a free agent, so is Jarek McKinnon. It'll be interesting to see if they can bring back one or two of those guys. Derek Gore really came on at the end of the season. Do do they really care to bring one of those guys back if they have CEH and Derek Gore? We'll see. But it sounds, I have a feeling that maybe McKinnon might be the guy that grabs, um, especially how well he played down the stretch. Um, So we'll talk a little bit about that, but let's get into it. So some names that we're going to talk about, like I said earlier, me and Sky are going to do some isolated episodes on some of the main guys like Taylor, Mixon, Eckler. So we're going to start our first running back is James Conner. Now, James Conner, ADP RB37, finished in points per game RB6, overall the fifth RB. However, here's some numbers that I want to throw out about 2021 that are not only are they not sustainable, but they're a huge impact to his outlook for next season. The first one is a 7.5% touchdown rate. Okay. 7.5% of his touches resulted in touchdowns. The league average is 3%. Okay. So I decided to look into this. I was like, how, how, uh, you know, possible is him to repeat? Well, 90% of the running backs over the last five seasons that had a seven, a six and a half percent or better touchdown percentage lost at least 2% the following year. So that's essentially two touches for every hundred. So, there is going to be regression there for him, especially because his career average before this season was sub five. So that is notable for him. However, also the games with Chase Edmonds. Now, I know Edmonds is a free agent, so is James Conner. But here are the splits. Nine games with Edmonds. He averaged 12.1 touches per game and averaged 10.9 points per game in half point PPR. Without Edmonds, those jumped in the six games without Edmonds, 21 and a half touches, 23.6 points per game 23.6 that is better than what JT had this season that's like absolutely elite so you know there is a little bit of uh what do the Cardinals do both these guys are free agents I don't think they're going to sign both of them you're right I do believe Connor comes if Connor comes back without Edmonds you know look out but what is your thoughts on him in 2022 as a possible repeat are you willing to put draft capital on if he falls into that fourth third round range Not third round, fourth round I'm buying. And that's only if he is truly the guy there in Arizona. I think the thing you have to watch out for there, though, is how they draft, right? This is a team that was pretty damn well balanced in terms of the run pass. 
And you saw what Connor could do when he was the only ticket in town. Mm. You know, he was he was the uh, he was the old drive-in movie theaters in the 1950s. That was him. He could drive in one movie, one ticket. That's all he had. So he's driving on in there. If he is truly the only threat in Arizona and he's back in Arizona, I feel very comfortable fourth round on James Conner. I'm just worried because even if, let's say he tapers that off and he only scores eight touchdowns instead of 15, what does that look like in terms of the return on investment? So until until we know what that situation looks like, Connor's always going to be a guy that concerns me, you know, injury history and just the fact that, my God, you know, he's not all that efficient with the ball in his hands, but he seems to be uber efficient towards that red zone. Mm-hmm. That's always a good bonus when you got a running back here. You know, at this point, your RB2, possibly your flex, depending on how you draft. I'm willing to risk flex value on him in the fourth, fifth round. Definitely not third round. I don't feel comfortable there. It's hard to find early ADPs, but I did find 2022 PFF rankings, and they have James Conner, if he returns to Arizona, as the 31st overall pick. So that's like early third round. Yeah. Um, And one of the things I want to highlight, too, is we're going to talk about themes. And one of the things I want to talk about themes today is the ambiguous backfield. The uh, J.J. Zacharyson, I have to give him a shout-out for this, but he talked about this in the offseason, about identifying these uncertain backfields because you find steals. And James Conner came from one of these. It was James Conner and Edmonds. And the reason why neither of them were a top-five-round pick was because they no one really knew who was going to be 1A and 1B, and it forced the draft capital of both guys to go down. So neither guy was drafted in the second round. You're going to notice there's a couple of teams on this list that didn't have that true number one top five round pick and they ended up being a steal and this could be a theme for us we could find ourselves next year drafting two running backs in the same backfield in round six seven eight nine see how it shakes out on good offenses the cardinals the tampa bay buccaneers the buffalo bills there's a lot of good running backs that came from good offenses but in preseason no one knew who the starter was so it might make sense to invest in those backfields All right, let's jump down to our next guy. It's Leonard Fournette. And once again, this is another prime example. Actually, Ronald Jones, heading into the season, was drafted higher in ADP. Leonard Fournette was drafted as the 34th and a half on average on amongst all the sites in positional ADP. Finishes the RB7 in both points per game and overall. This is another example. Neither him or Ronald Jones were drafted in the top five rounds because we didn't know. But we should have known. If you remember playoff Lenny from two years ago, I mean, two years ago, playoff Lenny was an absolute animal. And I know we had a lot of hesitancy because Ronald Jones was in and out of the lineup. But this is another example of good team, good offense, uncertain backfield. We should know to invest. And I think this is going to be a common theme. But here's some interesting numbers about Leonard Fournette. 12th in elite games. He was 12th in the NFL in elite games. That's 21 more or more points in half-point PPR. 14th in RB1 finishes at 13.7 points per game and 11th in RB2. So he was a top 12 to 14 back in pretty much every metric. So he's very consistent, but no Tom Brady buck next year. Uh, who's the quarterback, right? So I know we have some uncertain. We have to know who the quarterback is first, but let's say they go with, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know who would be a good option here. Teddy Bridgewater, a free agent. Kyle uh, Trask. Kyle Trask. 
uh, you know, Blaine Gabbert. Let's go. Like, get in there. The Blaine train, baby. Choo-choo. <laughs> uh, but what's your thoughts about Leonard Fournette if he does come back? Because he's a free agent, too. Do you have any inklings? Maybe he goes to Buffalo or something. What's your thoughts? I definitely don't have inklings about Buffalo for Lenny Fournette. I, I don't think I don't think Lenny would love Buffalo. He spent his career south of the Mason Dixon line. I just I don't see him trudging along there in Buffalo. But with the Bucks, I have concerns on two fronts. The first, and I think the most important one, would be Tom Brady out of town. With no Tom Brady, I mean I don't think they have great run blocking. I think a lot of those big runs were set up by great checks by Brady at the line. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is just savvy at the quarterback position, savvy to the likes of which we really don't see anywhere else. And without Tom Brady, I think, I think he's going to struggle behind that line in Tampa. And I also think the focal point is going to be Leonard Fournette. If he's, if he is, you know, coming in there with a Kyle Trask or a Blaine Gabbert, they will have to lean on the run. Teams will look to effectively shut down the run, which is completely different than when you're going up against Brady and all you're focused on is shutting down perimeter and short and intermediate passing game, which is something that Brady does better than anyone that's ever played the game. Without Brady, Fournette, I mean, what, what where do they have him rank on PFF for 2022? Mm, 30, let's see. 24th 24th yeah yeah i mean yeah, i i can fun. see it i, I can see 24th but I, i'm not i'm not gonna grip here and, and say i need to get him in the third round i actually don't love fournette going into next year uncertainty of the bucks i i gotta admit i i hate myself a little bit sometimes because uh one of the things i talked about with bruce arians and when he came over to Tampa Bay, and I was like, Bruce loves bell cows. He loves bell cows. He loves a bell cow battle with David Johnson. He tried to make Andre Ellington a bell cow. Didn't really work, but there was glimmers of hope for a little bit. Rashard Mendenhall, you name it, he tried. Um, and when, I, when you saw the playoff stretch that Leonard Fournette had, it was like the writing was on the wall. Like, I almost thought, you know, the Giovanni Bernard situation really bothered me in drafts because I thought Gio was going to be that passing down back. And I thought Leonard Fournette would be about two thirds to 70% of the early down work, 30% Ronald Jones. And that's a lot of pie getting divvied up. Well, boy, we were wrong. There was no Bernard barely was even impacting uh, Leonard Fournette. And, and sure enough, it's just sometimes we have to look at the coaching history understanding these guys, and I think that would have made a lot of sense in that scenario. But Leonard Fournette, I think the quarterback situation needs to be figured out on Tampa Bay, but he also needs to resign there. So, yeah, you know, maybe – you know, That's some the other people, pickle. Yeah, some people are talking Miami. You might as well do the trifecta of Florida teams. So let's jump down to one of the biggest surprises of the fantasy football season, your boy Cordell Patterson. Um, now, Patterson, you know, comes out of the gates – you know, people are kind of surprised he's on in the 1B role with Mike Davis. And then sure enough, he starts taking over that 1A. Weeks 1 through 15, Patterson, 14 touches per game, 15.8 points per game and half point PPR. Then all of a sudden that San Francisco game happens. Week 16 through 18, the last three weeks, plus that week 15 game, eight touches per game, 5.2 points per game. Not great for the fantasy playoffs. Um, and then you look at his numbers. He was... 
pretty consistent, though. Uh, three elite games, that's 21 or more points, six RB1 finishes, and 10 RB2 finishes. So he wasn't too bad. 10 of his 16 games, he was an RB2. That's rock solid. My question, though, comes how confident were that he gets re-signed by Atlanta? If he does, what are your thoughts on Patterson in 2022? If he does, I feel like he'll have a decent year but I'd rather put my faith in the younger guys. This will be his 10th season in the league. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a point where you take the progress you made last year with a much larger workload than you have ever seen in your entire NFL career, where really they were just leaning on Cordell Patterson every, every game. I mean, it was crazy to watch. I think Kyle Pitts takes a step up next year, takes away some of those targets. I'm I'm not high. I feel bad because I've been knocking down like the top three steals of last year. Yeah. But I want to – this is a learning lesson, Bob, because if I've taught myself anything, it's I've broken it down just like this where I've looked at where was the value last year. Who won me a championship last year? Cordell Patterson did in one league. Guess what? It's probably not going to do the same thing next year. The reason yeah. he won me that championship is because I drafted him in either the second to last or the last round of that draft. It's Corderell Patterson. And I think he's a good, good player. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of sustainability, we're all worried about sustainability. It's 2022, right? Want clean energy, sustainability. We want peace. This is We're going to be brought to you by solar panels very soon. I can't wait. Yeah, I've heard solar panels can be a little bit of a – little bit of a stinger there to get to get going on the roof. They can cause roof damage. So I'm not anti-solar panel, but I think it's worth a little bit of debate. Gotcha. Cordero okay. Patterson not buying him this year. I think we've seen the best we could ever see from him. Ten years in the league is a long time, Bob, and he took a beating this past year unlike anything he's ever taken before. I just don't see the player reaching the heights of last year. And as we both know, you're still paying for the heights of last year come next August, September. Yeah, PFF, it was overall 84, RB 33. Uh, and he also, you know, he's going to be 31 years old, like you just brought up, 10 years in the league. I, I, the other thing I will say, though, is I I want to, I am excited about the prospects of the Falcons getting an actual younger foundation back. Because Patterson showed us that he, that the Falcons, Arthur Smith, everyone was wondering, oh, they don't have Derrick Henry. Well, you know what? Cordell Patterson was freaking productive. In this offense, and there was no Calvin Ridley. Russell Gage was de facto number one. Kyle Pitts was a rookie. Now you're going to give Matt Ryan his second year with Arthur Smith. You're going to give Kyle Pitts in his second season. Maybe you get Calvin Ridley back. Give me a little Ronald Jones. Sprinkle a little Ronald Jones there or something like that. Um, And I'll buy into some Falcons RBs because I like the production that came out of that offense this season. All right, let's do one more before we head into Chris break. This one hits home a little. I'm excited. he wasn't he, he wasn't a big time dominator, but Melvin Gordon became something interesting. He finished, and the reason why he's on this list is because his overall finish. He was 31 and a half ADP average uh, through across the sites I used, 25th in points per game, but 16th overall. So he almost cut his ADP in half. And this is another one of those situations where no RB in Denver was drafted in the first five rounds. You know, right after that in round six was Devontae Williams. And then Melvin Gordon was nearly a whole two rounds later. Um, and listen, Javante was good too. I'm not saying I hate on Javante. And Javante 2022, mod on me. Can't wait. But 
No pick in the first five rounds. Another team with that same exact situation. But Melvin Gordon didn't give you a lot of elite games. He wasn't a league winner, but he was a guy, if you draft him in the eighth round, he ended up giving you rock-solid RB2 weeks. He was 23rd in RB2 game finishes. That's 10 points or more. He was 26th in RB1 game finishes. That's 13.7. So he was right around the top 24 in RB1 games. That's 13.7 points per game and half-point PPR. Um, of course, he didn't give you many elite games. That's 37th. But at the same time, for a guy that you got in the eighth round, and you could just plug him in. If you went tight end early, if you went re receiver, receiver early on, and you got Melvin Gordon later in drafts, that wasn't a bad pick. But what's your thoughts about Melvin Gordon? Now, he's going to be 29 heading into next season uh, and probably on a new team. But what's your thoughts about Melvin Gordon next season? If he were going back to Denver, I'd be more concerned. I don't think he will be. Uh, when he'll be with a new team, I think he's an intriguing pick because I think he's going to go to a team that wants to win now. I don't think he's going to go to a team that is thinking, yeah, we're three, maybe four years off this rebuild. You don't rebuild with Melvin Gordon. You take a very consistent pro. You put him in the offense. He's been productive for years. He can catch the football. This is a guy that I want on my teams because I don't think – I really don't think – People really saw what he did last year, Bob. He had a very solid year, despite Javante Williams, I think, being the more effective runner. Melvin Gordon was the more effective fantasy player. Melvin Absolutely. Gordon, you're getting consistency. You're getting versatility. And I think he's a steal. I would say I, I aim for him sixth, seventh round. And that that's only if he's on a contender. Because I right. want him to be scoring touchdowns. I want him to be involved in a productive offense. Let's say he ends up on the Jets. No, no way. Yeah, I, I the thing with Melvin Gordon, too, is like, where is, is it going to be like the Cardinals? Is it like the Miami Dolphins? It's like, what team is he going to land? It's going to matter. But once again, he's going to be ranked, guarantee you, eighth round pick. He's going to be in that low, high 70s, low 80s overall, yeah. no matter where he goes, because he could be 29 years old. And me and Sky last year did a whole analysis on age analysis. And we know that running backs are still productive up until age 30. So even if he does, if he lands at a good spot, he's definitely a buy. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break for one of our sponsors, Care Factor. And we'll be back right after this when our hair officially grows back. Skin care for hair. Hey, DCK Potters and Fantasy Focus community. Are you looking for options for hair loss? There are many options out there for treating it. However, most products treat the cause such as DHT, and don't do much to support the growth of new and stronger hair. It's like removing harmful weeds from your lawn, but not doing much to fertilize the grass. That's why the Fantasy Focus and TCK team has partnered with CaraFactor. CaraFactor saw this problem and focused their research on finding just the right combination of biosynthetic growth factors and an innovative delivery system to promote fuller, stronger-looking hair. So whether you're a listener who suffers from various forms of alopecia or even stress-related hair loss, the Care Factor treatment is the perfect scalp-friendly solution that can help and influence stronger and healthy hair throughout all stages of the hair life cycle. And now, exclusively for TCK listeners, use the promo code TCK at checkout to get 15% off all products at shop.mycarefactor.com. That's shop.mykerafactor.com. Care Factor, skincare for hair. 
All right, folks, let's talk about the next guy, your boy, Devin Singletary. Personal request from our buddy Buck about Devin Singletary. Now, Singletary, they didn't trust him early on, and then at one point they just said, we're done with Zach Moss, we're done with Matt Breda, and my God, was it beautiful. Because he over the last handful of weeks in the regular season and into the playoffs, he was an absolute monster. This guy, positional ADP, was 40 and a half. Uh, points per game finish was RB30. His overall finish was 21st. And a lot of this was driven in the second half of the year. But this is another team. No running back picked in the first five rounds. And in the Bills' case, no running back picked in the first seven rounds of fantasy drafts. Now, you're looking at his numbers. They aren't impressive. But let's look at his stats after week 14. So week 1 through 14, 11.1 touches, 7.6 points per game. Weeks 15 to 20, which includes the playoffs, 19 and a half touches, 19.3 points per game. Okay? That's Austin Eckler production over those final six games. So, Buck, your boy Devin Singletary, he's under contract. Matt Breed is a free agent. Looks like him, him and Moss potentially. Are you buying some Singletary in 2022? Yeah, because I think people are still going to sleep on him, Bob. I really do. You know, he he's not jumping out at you. Obviously, his touchdown production was way higher than what he's had in his previous two seasons with the bills. But back to the well, for me, I want a piece of this offense and the stats you just threw out when the bills played their best football, which were those last six weeks, Devin Singletary was the man. He was breaking tackles. They were setting him up well with the pass counter spiking it on the run there. He's a good player. But he has to, he's got to get over these fumbles. He had five this past season. That was his highest he's recorded all of his career. And it was already a concern. So he didn't do anything to kind of, you know, shelter the blame and maybe get a little heat off of him in terms of that to get and solidify that number one spot for Buffalo. But I still think he'll be there in seventh round. And if you're getting a running back for Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, I think you're in great shape. Devin Singletary, the emergence down the stretch, watch the film back. He was awesome. Not only was he great running the football, he was great in pass pro. And that is half the battle when you got Josh Allen back there. Devin Singletary was just putting his neck on the line. Was never impressed by Zach Moss aside from two or three runs on the season. I think he has a leg up going into this season. And I think the fact that Zach Moss exists, that he is a human, I think that'll actually prevent folks from going too early on a guy like Singletary because there's always that thought creeping. But when you watch 19 games of this team, you, you tend to see through the tea leaves. and you, you tend to see Singletary, he's been a beast since out there. He's just never really got a good shake at it. This season, he's very close to 1,000 yards. Uh, I believe he had seven touchdowns. I don't have the stats in front of me. I'm a off the cuff guy, but he had a good year, man. And he got a little bit more involved in the past game. Not, not tons, but you know, if he can get up to 50, 55 receptions, we're talking a PPR half PPR boost up for him. It should be a good year in 2022 for Devin Singletary. I think the bills are definitely going to stay away from running backs because I think Singletary showed enough down the stretch. And I think they're going to invest in the places they really need to in this offseason because he's shown that Bills can be an effective offense with him and Josh Allen and the rest of the cast of characters there. I think it's a, a surefire seventh rounder. 
I feel great about Devin Singletary. I, listen, he's already overall – PFF has him as the 73rd overall player, RB28. That's yep. what I'm talking about. Where this – he's got the – he looks and feels to me like the Leonard Fournette from last year when we saw him really pick it up in the playoffs when they finally just gave him the ball. They said, hey, Leonard Fournette, you're our guy. Let's go. This year is the same exact thing with Devin Singletary. As long as they don't use like a day-two pick on a running back or if they don't go out and sign a guy like a Melvin Gordon or a Chase Edmonds or whoever – and they come back and they roll it back with another guy, another year with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I'm buying it all. Good, ambiguous backfields, good offenses is one of the biggest themes of our steals this segment. I all like right, that. next one. Ambiguous yeah. backfields, good offenses. That yeah, should man, be, like, we should just put up like a banner of that. Okay. Yeah. No, I'll work on it. I'll talk to our team uh, in the background. My dog okay. will do it or something. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so the next guy is an injury related one. And Daryl Williams, kind of like he he had his stretch, he got hurt, and Jarek McKinnon came in, CEH was in and out of the lineup. And I want to bring up Daryl Williams mostly because, yeah, he did have a nice stretch of games. And, you know, I, I, it's more of the fact that, number one, he is a free agent, so is Jarek McKinnon. Um, you know, he did finish outside the t- – he was 60th in ADP. He finished 33rd in points per game, 22nd in overall finish. But a lot of that's blended in with playing behind CEH. So when you look at the eight – so I want to focus on that. If he doesn't come back, let's say he, him and Jarek McKinnon walk and they go with CEH, I, I just want to say the Chiefs' backfield, I don't think they're going to produce a RB1 necessarily. But I do think that this offense – when you look at the Chiefs' starting running backs – and I looked at Daryl Williams, CEH, they averaged 12.8 points, uh, 12.8 points per game and half point PPR. That's that's RB19 from last year. And I think that's the important thing. Like I think when I'm looking at Daryl Williams and I'm looking at CEH, there really wasn't much of a if you look at the raw numbers between McKinnon, McKinnon was an elite passer in the passing game. He was very good in the passing game, but as a as a runner. Daryl Williams was not better than CEH on a points per reception uh, rush attempt analysis. He wasn't much better in the passing game either, but they trusted Daryl Williams on third downs. That's something CEH needs to take over. But if they bring back Jarek McKinnon, if they bring back Daryl, let's say they bring back Daryl Williams, they let Jarek McKinnon walk. I guess my question comes, are you going to take the stab on Daryl Williams in the later rounds? Because you know, he's going to be in the double digits because CEH will be the one a, but what are your thoughts there? Are you willing to take a shot on CEH if he falls to like RB in the fifth round? Give me your thoughts on the Chiefs' backfield and Daryl Williams. Can't do CEH. Cannot do it. That's one thing I refuse to do this season. Uh, Daryl Williams, though, if you get him 10th, 11th round, I think it's a steal of a pick. I don't care so much about matching up players on, oh, he was more effective. I care about who teams trust. It really seemed like Darrell Williams has the trust of the Chiefs coaching staff there. And if he is back with the Chiefs, I feel a hell of a lot better about it just because they split value in terms of drafts. So you can either go high end, which as you noted, will be CEH, or you can go low end. Bottom line, I want a piece of that backfield. Now, I think the real question lies with what is the appeal of Darrell Williams in a different situation? I think that's a real conversation. Because do you agree that he has some appeal, or at least some value to be had there in the double digit, double digit rounds, uh, if he's on the Chiefs? No, I listen. I think I think I think Ceh is their first round pick. They're gonna 
And on a running in the early downs rushing, I think that CEH is a better runner than Daryl Williams is. But he's better in pass pro, Daryl Williams. Like you said, they trust him in those kind of situations. But then you look at the playoffs, it was Jarek McKinnon. Uh, Williams barely played in the playoffs this year because they had McKinnon now. So my question is, if he does come back, you know, are they bringing back bringing back the whole band? Is it going to just be Daryl Williams too? That's what worries me a little bit. Derek Gore is kind of like a early down thumper. He's going to be the closer maybe, but I think it's I think the problem with Ceh for me is that he hasn't earned the third down role. He has not earned like you said the trust. And now with Jarek McKinnon playing better in passing downs and Daryl Williams. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. So I don't know if I'm going to be really buying any Chiefs running back. Next year. Two things on McKinnon, though. The problem I have with that is, number one, injury history. Don't love it. Number mm-hmm. two, I feel like that was just an ace up their sleeve, Chiefs, the entire season, and then they unleashed it. Right? Like, you don't have this on film. Here you go. That's what it seemed like to me. And it worked. You know, we know McKinnon can receive the football, make explosive plays, but I don't see McKinnon as a long-term solution. I don't see Daryl Williams as a long-term solution either, but I see him as an effective role player on a fantasy squad when he's your RB5, right? Like, I I just want a piece of that Chiefs offense. If he goes elsewhere, I'm dropping him from my list, yeah. Well, it's CEH got hurt, Darrell Williams got hurt, and then McKinnon comes in late in that Week 18 game, plays well, and then he becomes the main guy because, well, I know CEH was out the first game, then Darrell Williams was inactive the second game, so I don't know how much it had to do with injury and just McKinnon was the healthiest guy. But overall, CEH is a risky proposition next year. I agree. All right, so to- the next guy isn't um... – okay. So Tony Pollard – Definitely crushed his ADP this year. ADP was RB44, finished as overall RB30, but he only finishes the 41st in points per game. So he made the list more of a cautionary tale, I think, from a bus side. We talked about Zeke and how Pollard took a huge chunk of his, his actual touches. Zeke, the biggest problem with Zeke was he actually performed pretty well, but he lost so many touches, about four touches a game, because Tony Pollard took those touches. Um Pollard only had two RB1 finishes, but he and he was 41st, and he had five games as RB2. That's double-digit fantasy points. So five games is really not uh, a usable asset. But I wanted to put him on here is because is Tony Pollard now going to continue this trend? Like, what are your thoughts on Tony Pollard? Because he did perform well. He did outkick his ADP. He did show good sign. He does look like the more explosive player. Um, and heading into next year, like, is he going to take another step and become more of a 1B and take on, uh, be a value next year in drafts. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think he certainly will take the next step next year. Watching, I mean, they shoved the Cowboys on our throats every single year, so I watched enough of those games. He's a more explosive runner at this stage in their careers than Zeke. Zeke just looks, he's tough. Trust me, he's he's a tough player. He's a good running back. I just don't think he's great anymore, Bob. And I think at this point, with the Cowboys kind of just being a little bit, I don't know what the word is, they've just been stagnant. You know, they need that explosion. You got C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper. Get this stuff done now. And Tony Pollard, 
in limited touches, if you extended his season out to what did he have? 130 carries, something like that. 120 or 130. I believe that's the number. If you extended that to just 170, this is a guy who could have been flirting with 900 yards. Yeah, 130 rushing attempts, and he had 46 targets, 39 receptions. Yeah, 39. That's a good base, little baseline average there for you. I think he's going to be a good player. I really like what I see from him in terms of explosion, and I think the Cowboys, if they're going to compete, they have to be a more explosive offense consistently. I think at times Zeke slows them down. And by no means are they just going to push Zeke off. But Zeke, he's not the same player he was. He just doesn't look the same. I will say this about Pollard. it's um, He's going to be going in the double-digit rounds. Like He's already in PFF. They have him as 111, RB38. He's not going to have a high draft capital. Um, and Zeke, uh, from a dynasty perspective, this might be the time where you could kind of buy him and he won't be at his peak because there is a out in Zeke's contract coming up. Um, and I just don't see the Cowboys paying him all the money later in his contract after how he's looked over the last few years. But there's not a lot of opportunities for two running backs to succeed at a high level. I think Tony Pollard was a good example of this. He looked awesome, but he does not get goal line work. He doesn't have a high red zone usage rate. He, you know, So he's getting a lot of this like in between the 20 stuff which is awesome, and he looks explosive. It's going to be hard. Based on his numbers, I do think he maybe can get a little bit more of an uptick. But the problem is he's not going to get any goal line work. And plus, Zeke is a very good pass protector, and that keeps him on the field. So it does. I do I do agree with Tony Pollard being more explosive, but I think, I think he offers very little upside next year unless something happens to Zeke early on. I disagree. I, I adamantly disagree with that. You think I believe in the player upside. Tony Pollard. Yeah. Okay. So what do I you think, think his upside is next year? RB24. Okay. I mean, I I can I guess that's fine. I'm okay with that. I mean, he finished overall RB30 this year. Yeah, um, but I think I think he's just taking steps to that next level and eventually it's his job to lose. I'll have to I have to look at his touchdown numbers because uh I think that's something I would like to see if there was uh maybe there's some positive regression because he only had two overall touchdowns on his touches. And I know from from looking at the data on 130 rush attempts, that's pretty low. So I think it's also the qu- qu- types of touches he's getting. But you know what? I will agree to disagree for now, but I'll take a look at I want to know if there's something in there for touchdown progression because he needs to score more to become a more of an RB2. Yeah, but he, so, he's competing. That's the thing here, though. Zeke's always going to get those touches mm-hmm. until he stops getting those touches. I'm just saying, I think we might be looking at a little bit of a change there. Pollard's a better player, in my opinion, right now. And I know that's a bold, bold take. But that's how I feel about it. It's not a bold take. I agree that he's a better runner. I do. But the thing is, he's you know Zeke's getting the bag. And I think that, and it's from a short line goal line situation, Zeke's a bigger back and he's still performing fine in short goal line. He's converting sure. for touchdowns. That's where the problem comes. It's just, they're not going to put Pollard in on the goal line instead of Zeke. And plus Zeke and Dak came in in the same draft class. They're boys. I just think that there's a lot more going on, but I do agree that Tony Pollard is an elite player. That he's getting better that I think he has upside, but he finished 41st in points per game. 
That's not really that great. So we'll see. I do think there's room for improvement um, next year. But let's start with Devonta Freeman. This is nothing to do with Devonta Freeman. Don't care about Devonta Freeman. It's the Ravens' backfield. Yeah. <laughs> Freeman is fine. He was really good. But, like, the question comes now. We have Dobbins and Evans coming back next year. Uh, Edwards coming back. Dobbins and Edwards. Their ADPs right now are going to be so much lower than what you were paying for them previously. Now, of course, that's going to continue to rise as soon as Dobbins is back on the field looking healthy. I was off Dobbins as his 2-3 turn because he offers nothing in the passing game. But then this year, out of out of nowhere, you know, Lamar Jackson's dumping it down more to Devonta Freeman, which just, you know, whatever. But I know Freeman next year, we're not worried about him as a right, but what's your running feeling on the Ravens running back situation next year? Give us your two cents. Is Freeman's production over the like the latter half of the year give you some optimism for Dobbins and Edwards next year? Oh, certainly. A lot more for Dobbins, though. I'm super high on Dobbins. I'll take him at the uh I'll take him like early to mid third round. I believe in that player this year. Gus Edwards, he's also a good value. I mean, they they split carries. It's what they do, and they run the ball a hell of a lot. So I think both players offer extreme value in drafts. When I look, when I was looking at the numbers last year, they were very close. When they played together on the field at the same time, and you took out Mark Ingram's games, they were very very close in points per game overall. But um, I think the real the real wrinkle for us is is that lack of passing game usage. And you know Freeman did have his moments, but I mean Lamar Jackson didn't play a lot this year. They also had Tyler Huntley playing a lot because down the stretch Lamar Jackson was not playing, but. You know, I thought it was kind of interesting to see him getting – I mean, he played 16 games for Baltimore, but he did finish with 42 targets, and he didn't start every game. He only started eight games. So um, something to look at next year. I do think that Dobbins's ADP will probably be more 3-4 turn, which is better than 2-3 turn it was this year. All right, our last guy we're going to talk about is Rashad Penny. And Penny's – Penny – it was really just five games. I mean, prior to like the last five games, he was not a steal. I want to bring him up because of next year. Chris Carson is still a thing. It sounds like he's not going to retire. It sounds like they're not going to cut him. They don't have a reason to. I mean, Penny has never stayed healthy. So why would you cut Chris Carson, especially if he's going to be back? But he was the RB1 in fantasy. I mean, this is a, this echoes Jonathan Taylor and da- David Montgomery's 2020 down the stretch. And, and you know, JT got the love and David Montgomery slipped two or three rounds. Because everyone's like, oh, it's a soft schedule. But this guy, 17 carries per game during this stretch, 118 yards and six touchdowns. That is insane. But he was an absolute zero in the passing game. Only one reception per game for eight yards. So it was all on the ground. But, I mean, it was a beautiful thing to watch. Um, I guess my question comes, if Carson's retained and Penny is back, what's your thoughts on that situation? Who are you going to put your money on uh, for fantasy in 2022? So do we think there that he'll be back, Penny? I thought he was a free agent. He is. He is. But they could franchise tag him, right? Correct. Okay. Because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Yeah. So I don't know. That that would be a hell of a move to franchise tag Richard Penny. You know, Carson, he's dealt with so many blows, Bob. I'm curious more to hear your take, only because I've stayed away from Seattle backfield for a good five years now because of the Chris Carson problem, right? It scares me. 
Rashad Penny, I got on board with that as a rookie. It never came to fruition. I was sitting here just waiting on the day that he would come true. And then he finally does it down the stretch in 2021. It took forever. But Rashad Penny, where where's he going, PFF? Well, um, I literally just had this up. It was pretty low. It was – They have it 168 RB 53. Yeah, to be fair, I would feel much better about Penny going to a contender. I okay. Seattle was 12 and four two years ago. Like I, okay, I sure. Seattle, Seattle. Listen, Carl, the Russell Wilson situation. They changed offenses on him, and it's going to take time. I just think that Shane Waldron comes from that McVay Shanahan scheme. I love that for running backs. It was a very underrated running back higher and we saw the fruition and Alex Collins had some moments early in the season too, sure did. but Chris Carson was actually very good. You know, the first three weeks, the guy was actually very good. It was looking yeah. like the problem I have is like, I, I, I don't know what the Carson situation is going to be. I was trying to look up his contract um, for, for next year, but at the same time, um, I don't know if he has any out clauses or anything, but it sounds like he'll be back. I think that's the question, but this is another situation. You have Russell Wilson, on a team with, a, you know, we'll see if Shane Waldron is actually a good OC, but neither of those guys are going to probably go in the top five rounds because no one's going to know who's one, who's two. That might be a situation where you spend a seventh and eighth round pick on Penny and Carson and see what happens and see if one of them emerges. And my thing is, like, you're not going to lose many fantasy leagues by dumping on a seventh and eighth round pick. You know, no. you lose your fantasy leagues in rounds one through three, one through four, for the most part, if you if you completely blow those picks. So it makes sense. And this is kind of the ambiguous backfield, good team. Russ, I believe in Russ. If Russ is back, let's say they bring back Carson and Penny gets franchise tagged, and it's those two guys, that might be a situation we have to monitor and say, all right, if it's a seventh, eighth round pick, I will take a shot on that because we've seen it. This episode showed you, I think that was one of the biggest takeaways. Good team, uncertain backfields, always somebody emerges and minus will take a shot. I know Elijah Mitchell, we can't say because Raheem Moster got hurt in week one. I totally get it, but it's a fab lesson. You know, Elijah Mitchell was on a good, the Kyle Shanahan run scheme. We should have probably all just went all in on him, but um so I think I think at this point I'm I'm it's a wait and see mode. Penny, there's so much uncertainty with this list, right? A lot of free agents, some quarterback question marks that we don't know about. But like I said, I think I'm I think from Rashad Penny's standpoint, he has a first round pedigree, which is always good at any analysis, and that's always like the best hit rate. So we'll see. But before we close out, we move on. Uh, is there any RB steals we did talk about that you would like to highlight? Or is there anybody that you want to shout out? Or is there any other things you want to bring up? No, not really, Bob. Let's wrap this thing up. All right, man. Well, let's go. This is the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast on the Fantasy Focus YouTube channel. This was our episode on how to find a steal in your fantasy football draft. So make sure you're checking these out. All our how-tos. Next few weeks, we're going to do wide receivers, tight ends. And then we're going to start getting some free agency and then the NFL Draft. Once again, all our episodes are brought to you by Bet Online AG on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Bobby Marco. That's Buck, and we are out of here, folks.
for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.